Amen. Well, it's great to be where we are doing what we're doing, and not just worshiping here in God's house, but living here where we live. I don't know if those of you who've been here all of your lives appreciate it as much as we transplants do. Um, I got a message from a pastor friend of mine in Texas this morning, and he says it's so hot and dry there that the Baptists have started baptizing by sprinkling the Methodists are using wet wipes. The Presbyterians are issuing rain checks. And the Catholics are praying that the wine turns back into water. So I'm glad we're here. I love East Tennessee. Let me ask you a question. <clears throat> Discipleship, following Jesus, is it easy or is it difficult? I had an opportunity in 2009 to pose that very question, not quite so simply, to Dr. Dallas Willard at a pastor's conference I was attending, and he answered it exactly the way I expected he would. But before we get more into that, let me ask you, do you find following Jesus to be easy or difficult? Perhaps both, perhaps neither, perhaps one on some days and uh, another on other days. Well, I want to read some of Jesus' own words on that subject this morning as we ask ourselves that question and talk about what it means to follow Jesus. And these texts are found in the Gospel of Matthew. The first one is in chapter 11, and the second in chapter 16. So if you're able, I invite you to stand with me for the reading of the Scripture. In Matthew 11, some verses that are probably familiar to you, verses 28 to 30, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Now in chapter 16, beginning in verse 24, and reading verses 24 and 25, we Fine, the scripture says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. Thank you. You may be seated. <clears throat> now, both of these texts speak about following Jesus. But one makes it sound easy, and the other one makes it sound difficult. So, which is it, really? It can't be both, can it? Well, before we look at an answer to that question, I think first we ought to say a word or two about what following Jesus means. There is a mistaken idea these days among many people that one can be a Christian 
but not be a disciple. One can be a professed believer, but not a follower of Jesus. It really isn't a new idea. Half a century ago, Clarence Jordan said, We'll praise the hind heels off of Jesus, we just won't do a thing He said. Well, it's still true. Faith in Christ has somehow been divorced from discipleship to Christ and obedience to Christ. You yourself may be sitting there thinking, he's talking about following Jesus, but I just want to know that I'm going to go to heaven when I die. We used to call that in the old days fire insurance, getting your fire insurance in place and then going on about your business. The truth is many have professed faith in Christ without really believing. Just because they want to be saved from any eternal consequences of their sin without necessarily having to give up their sin itself. But that's a misunderstanding of what salvation is. Salvation comes from the trust that grows out of genuine, true belief. A profession of faith or a profession of belief won't necessarily change your life. If you don't really believe it, that is. But if you genuinely believe something, your life changes based on that belief. For example, I saw some coming in this morning carrying umbrellas. If you believe it's going to rain, you bring your umbrella, don't you? If you don't, you leave it at home. How we believe affects how we act, how we live, the decisions we make. And so, if you genuinely believe in and trust Jesus, you're going to want to learn about Him. And that's what the word disciple means, a learner. To learn about Jesus, to follow Jesus, to be like Jesus. In fact, you will become a disciple, a follower of Jesus. You can't be indifferent about Jesus, as so many so-called Christians seem to be. Because being indifferent about Jesus is to be lost, separated from God, from salvation, from all that is good. So the late Eugene Peterson describes following Jesus like this. He says, to follow Jesus implies that we enter into a way of life, a way of life that is given character and shape and direction by the one who calls us. To follow Jesus means picking up rhythms and ways of doing things that are often unsaid, but always derivative from Jesus, formed by the influence of Jesus. To follow Jesus means that we can't separate what Jesus is saying from what Jesus is doing and that he, the way that He is doing it. We can't separate those things. I would say it like this, to follow Jesus is to learn about Him, to submit to His authority, and to live in obedience to Him. And as I've shared with you in the past, Dallas Willard relates discipleship to apprenticeship. And he defines it as living my life as Jesus would live my life if He were I. Now that doesn't mean that we try to live Jesus' life. We don't put on robes and sandals and hang out with fishermen and IRS agents. 
we conduct our lives as Jesus would if he were in our shoes. We do our work making the decisions we believe Jesus would make, treating others the way we believe Jesus would, living our lives as Jesus would if he were in our shoes. Now the question is whether following Jesus is difficult or easy. G.K. Chesterton uh, is famously quoted as having said, the Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting, it has been found difficult and left untried. And certainly there is much truth in that statement. Those who have tried it have oftentimes found it difficult and have resisted the, the call that comes with it. But uh, with time, things can change. When we are by nature selfish and self-indulgent, the idea of denying ourselves and even dying to ourselves on behalf of Christ or anyone else for that matter, it sounds like a very difficult proposition. But is it really? Initially, it can be until we have a fuller understanding of what following Jesus is all about. It can be compared in some ways to learning a language or a musical instrument. With time and effort, what is initially very difficult can become second nature. Now you may say, wait just a minute, Pastor, what's all this about effort? I thought the gospel was supposed to be about grace. Well, it is about grace. The gospel is opposed to earning not opposed to effort. You can't earn your salvation. The gospel is free. It is good news for one and all who will respond to it. But if you want to be what Christ is calling you to be, you're going to have to put some effort into it. I can give you a piano out of the grace and the kindness of my heart, but if you don't put some effort into learning how to play it, it's not going to do you any good. It will never serve the purpose for which it was, was fashioned and the purpose for which I gifted it to you. In a similar way, becoming a follower of Jesus provides privileges extended to us solely by the grace of God, but it doesn't immediately produce in us Christ-likeness. But if we ever come to understand the, the value, the desirability of Christ-likeness, then we will pursue it, and we will pursue it passionately. When we recognize that Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, the incarnate Son of God, is the most brilliant human being who ever walked the face of the planet. He's the smartest man, the most charismatic man, the most desirable man, the most righteous man ever to live on this planet, the most powerful man. If we know who Jesus is, we will passionately pursue being like Him, becoming who He has called us to be. I want you to think for a minute about Jesus' description of the kingdom of God in Matthew chapter 13. Jesus talks about the kingdom and its desirability. In verses 44, 45, 46, Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, 
When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went out and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. It says, in his joy, the man sold everything he had so he could buy that field and have that treasure. In his joy. So, was it difficult or was it easy for him to sell everything he had in order to obtain what he wanted. Well, if you're focused on what you're giving up, then it looks pretty difficult, doesn't it? But if you're focused on the goal, if you're focused on what you're pursuing, if you're focused on the reward that comes with, with the, the sacrifice, then you do so in joy. It looks fantastic. You recognize its value, its rewards, and then it becomes easy. There's yet another dimension in which discipleship becomes easy. When we surrender ourselves to God and His will for us and our lives, it brings the rest that Jesus speaks of in chapter 11. You will find rest for your souls, Jesus says. It puts us on the same page with God, into the flow of God's activity and will. Like a fish turning from swimming upstream to swimming with the stream with the current or like a, a bird riding the wind instead of fighting the wind we get into the flow of what God is doing in our world and in our lives for example Jesus taught us to love our enemies and to pray for them that sounds very difficult by nature we don't want to to love them we want to curse them they're our enemies right because that's how our nature is. But in fact, it is easier for a disciple to pray for them because it puts us in the flow of God's love and God's will in our world, both for us and for them. And not only that, not only that, hear this, it releases us from the bondage to anger and bitterness that comes along with uh, being upset and, and angry with our enemies. It releases us from that. Anger and bitterness, Dallas Willard calls the most fundamental problem of modern life. And you don't have to look around very much to see it. It's everywhere. Anger, bitterness, rage. You can be free of that. When you do, when you let go of those things and love your enemies and be obedient to what Christ has taught us and called us to, you, you get into God's pattern. You, you find yourself in those rhythms of life that, that Peterson was talking about that I quoted a moment ago. You feel your blood pressure beginning to go down. You turn from death to life. It's like a breath of fresh air. Loving your enemies is easier than hating them and cursing them and living with them in your head all day long. You see how that's easier? Dallas Willard says the disciples of Jesus routinely and easily do the things Jesus taught. 
routinely and easily. Why? Because they've learned. They've learned from experience and they've learned from training that obedience is easier, it's more fulfilling, it's more rewarding, and it's more liberating than disobedience. It is better for us in every way. Sure, it requires some self-discipline. It requires some effort. But everything worthwhile in life requires discipline and effort. And there is nothing more worthwhile, nothing more rewarding than following Christ. So Jesus says, whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. So is following Jesus easy or difficult? The answer is yes. And so... What Jesus says in verse 30 of chapter 11, it really is a pretty accurate way of describing what it is to follow Him. He says, my burden is light, my yoke is easy. These things are, are counterintuitive, they're, they're oxymoronic, they seem at opposite ends. A yoke is, is, is a a burdensome thing. It's a, an instrument of labor. But Jesus says, His is easy. A burden, just by the word itself, it sounds heavy. It sounds uh, cumbersome. And yet Jesus says, my burden is light. But the payoff is a rest unlike anything else you will ever find. So on his behalf, I invite you to become a follower of Jesus this morning. A real follower, not just a professed follower. I invite you to take up his yoke and learn from him so you can find rest for your souls. We can help you with that here. It's part of our mission in this church to teach Christ's followers to do everything Jesus said routinely and easily. But whatever you do, don't keep praising the hind heels off of Jesus if you have no intention of doing anything He said. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Do you love Him? Does your life reflect it? Or do you just say you do? When it comes down to where the water hits the wheel, where the rubber meets the road, are you really just indifferent? Professing an allegiance to Jesus while not really caring enough to do what he said. It was the Holocaust survivor and Nobel Peace Prize winner Elie Wiesel who said, the opposite of love is not hate, it's indifference. Not caring, apathy, unconcerned. To be indifferent is worse than to hate. Does your discipleship fit the definition of indifference? You know, Jesus told the lukewarm church at Laodicea in the book of Revelation that they were not pleasing to Him because they were neither cold nor hot. They were just lukewarm. Something I think we could say is akin to indifference. And you know what he said, they would be spewed out from his mouth. 
I want to close this morning with some eloquent words from the World War I Anglican chaplain and poet Jeffrey Studdart Kennedy, who wrote a poem about the indifference to Jesus that he found in his city of Birmingham, England. And I hope it is not true of our city as well. The poem is entitled Indifference. When Jesus came to Golgotha, they hanged him on a tree. They drave great nails through hands and feet and made a calvary. They crowned him with a crown of thorns. Red were his wounds and deep, for those were crude and cruel days, and human flesh was cheap. When Jesus came to Birmingham, they simply passed him by. They never heard a hair of him. They only let him die. For men had grown more tender. They would not give him pain. They only just passed down the street and left him in the rain. Still Jesus cried, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And still it rained the wintry rain that drenched him through and through. The crowds went home and left the streets with not a soul to see. And Jesus crouched against a wall and cried for Calvary. Would you bow with me, please? Father, forgive us for the indifference, the apathy that so often characterizes our discipleship. We live our lives day by day in a, a fog of sorts, distracted by the pressures of the moment, not realizing that we have been called to something better, something higher, a life that is truly free, becoming more like Jesus, to find the rest that we can only have in Him. God, forgive us and stir us this day in this, in this worship service that is so inspiring, so encouraging. May we rededicate ourselves and recommit ourselves to following Jesus with everything we have and everything we are. God, I pray that you would be glorified in it always. And I ask it in the name of Jesus the Christ. Amen. We're going to sing.